Hello everybody, welcome to Borderline and Back, Hope, Management, and Resiliency for Borderline Personality Disorder. I'm your host Maggie, and this is our regular episode this week. Uh, Before we get into it, this is just your reminder, I say it every single episode, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychotherapist, I'm not a counselor, I'm not even a life coach. I'm here sharing my journey of diagnosis through management of my borderline personality disorder and adult ADHD, hoping that if you have recently been diagnosed or if you've been diagnosed for a while and you're struggling, if you're having a hard time connecting or having a hard time feeling that there's a path forward through this diagnosis, that there is someone else out there who has been through what you're feeling who might actually be feeling what you're feeling right now. There's actually a whole community of us. We just might not be as close as you'd like us to be. Alternatively, if your loved one has recently been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, hopefully you're able to find something from these episodes to help you maybe understand their experiences a little bit more, how their thought patterns might work, why they might behave the way that they do. To help you see them for who they are. It can be really hard for those of us with this diagnosis to try and explain um, how strong our feelings are, how big those feelings are, and how real they can seem to us, especially when we've been invalidated or when people just kind of give us blank stares of not understanding. It can be hard. Um, But yeah, that's our spiel, and we are going to get into this episode now, folks. In last week's episode, uh, that's titled Disappointment, Resiliency, Vulnerability, and Growth, at the end, I gave a little homework assignment for you guys to hopefully do by yourselves, but I actually said that I was going to do it myself, hold myself accountable here. And that homework assignment was to find three things that make you an incredibly unique person. Things that make you outstanding, that make you special, because that can be so hard for us to do and find ourselves. I also said, if you're struggling with this, talk to your best friend, talk to someone who you completely trust, who you feel sees you authentically, when you might not be able to see yourself in the same light. So I am going to go over my three things that make me truly unique and special which is kind of hard to do, but that's how you know it's genuine. So the first one that I have is um, how much I love singing. I might be terrible at it. I like to think I'm Maria Von Trapp, but I'm not, nor am I Adele, nor am I Mariah Carey, but I give it my best. When I get singing, it doesn't really matter what it is. I am in it. I am belting. I have hair swinging. I'm dancing. I'm I'm in the moment and I'm being present. And I absolutely love it. And that can be singing anything from Celine Dion, It's All Coming Back, It's a Jam People, Please Don't Make Fun of Me, to something like um, Fantasy, Bad Boy Fantasy by Mariah Carey, to Shimmy Shimmy Ah by Old Dirty Bastard. Like, I just, I like music. I like songs. <laughs> I I enjoy being in that moment. The next thing I have that makes me a truly unique and interesting person 
is how much I truly love being an aunt. I have two incredible little nieces that I love. I try and spend as much time with them as possible, as much one-on-one time to listen to them, to let them feel heard. I try and be not necessarily a parent to them, but an influence there for them. Um, a, a parent figure, like um, I don't quite know what the word that I'm looking for here is, but someone in their life that they can go to and talk to, someone who is going to support their dreams, <laughs> listen to their interests, and just kind of be there for them in the way that I had wished I'd had someone there for me. I love spending time with them. I love hearing their little thoughts and finding out what they're into and seeing how unique they are, person to person. It, it's pretty cool. And along with being an aunt, I'm a godmom to two incredible little boys. And I, I drive a lot of purpose from that, uh, getting to spoil them, getting to help mold them and develop their character. It, it's pretty cool for me. As a non-parent, I don't have any kids. And finally, this is kind of a more superficial thing, but something that makes me really unique is how much I love motorcycles. It's one of those things that I'm truly passionate about. Yeah, it's a machine, ultimately. But I don't feel so in the moment in my day-to-day life as when I'm riding that motorcycle. When it's just me, the road, the fresh air, six gears, like it it's incredible. I could do daily mindfulness exercises all day long and I would never be as present as I am when I'm on that bike. So those are my three things. I would love to hear yours. I'm gonna leave a section down in the show notes where you can let me know what your three things were. Um I'm curious if if you did the exercise, how you felt about yourself when you had completed it. Mine made me happy. It brought me a lot of joy. It made me feel like I am a unique person, that I'm not just a sheep in the herd. Something that I've really enjoyed from doing this podcast and kind of through Instagram, I'm not super active on there, but I've been trying um, as a form of community building, is having other people reach out to me who listen to the podcast and say that they found something from it that is interesting or that I seem authentic and I really appreciate that and through this kind of networking in air quotes if you will um, I've had some pretty interesting conversations with people and I've had people send me content that they also find interesting or content that has helped them on their management journey which is really awesome. It lets you connect with people and kind of get different viewpoints, different perspectives. I'll be the first to admit that my approach to management might not be for everyone. I can be a bit of a hard ass. I can be tough. I have very strong opinions about management, resiliency, and day-to-day life with this disorder. And that's okay. I don't have to be for everyone. No one has to be for everyone. That's the beautiful part about being human. Um, but recently, uh, I think it was through an Instagram live I did with Adriana from Book of Thoughts. I was connected with um, this Instagram account. They go by Silly Fool. And they sent me this really awesome recommendation for a podcast. So I, I love the Joe Rogan podcast. Again, might not be for everyone, but for me, 
I get some great content out of that. And there's this really incredible episode with Jewel. And if you are a millennial like me, I always just thought of Jewel as this singer. It turns out she's this really amazing philanthropist as well. But in this episode, she talks a lot about the power of journaling and the power of writing when it comes to managing any kind of mental health issues that you might be going through, whether that be depression, whether that be anxiety, whether that be bipolar disorder, whether that be ADHD, borderline personality disorder. But the true power of putting pen to paper and the impacts that that can have on your day-to-day life. And even before this episode, I've been a firm believer in that. I've talked about it in previous episodes that I've recorded here. I think I've mentioned I've been journaling almost all of my life, um, not always as consistently as I do it now, but it's it's always been there. And it's one of those practices that I truly believe can kind of unlock your mind in a good way. It, for me, it helps me get into a wise mind state. And I'm going to try and explain that to you all here. I started out journaling probably when I was like 12, maybe early teens for sure. And it was just journaling my thoughts, things that I was struggling with. Um, a lot of the time it looking back, it might seem vapid, but a lot of what I did journal about had to do with interpersonal relationships and conflict. And I find that interesting um, that for so long, over 20 years, that's been something that I've struggled with trying to understand my interactions with people around me, trying to understand cause and effect, how my actions created potentially a problem or a path that I didn't expect to go down. But like I said, my initial journey of journaling was just kind of write it down by the date, kind of work through things. And as I've gotten older, my form of journaling has gotten um, more refined, if you will, but also less refined. And I'll get through that. So I do do free form journaling right now. And what I consider to be free form journaling is to just put pen to paper and start writing. Kind of like I do with this podcast with speaking. But what happens is I will generally start writing. I try and do this every single day. And I'll start writing about something that's going on in my life. And I'll start with a train of thought in one space. And as I look back on it now, I realize that when I start journaling, I'm very much in emotion mind. We've talked about this in the DBT minisode, so please refer back to that. I will start journaling in this state of being very amped up, of being very revved up. I've kind of talked about this in color zones of green, yellow, red. And a lot of the time when I'm journaling, I'm floating in that yellow to red area. And I start writing and I just keep writing. It's often very aggressive when I look at what my actual letters look like. Um, Very quick, very rushed, if you will. I'm just trying to get it all down, get it all out there. And then there is always this shift to when I'm able to, as I'm writing, it's literally like going in and wise mind kicks in or logic mind and then eventually wise mind that I'm able to start 
questioning my own thoughts, asking myself, why am I feeling this way? Reflecting on that and then starting this next phase of journaling where I go back and I look at what I wrote and challenge my own perceptions, challenge my own thoughts and work through things to figure out what is the actual root cause of why I'm feeling the way I was at the beginning of the century. And the fascinating part about that is that by the time I'm done writing, I'm in a green, maybe a green-yellow on that whole green-yellow-red scale that I'm talking about. My handwriting's calmer. It's loopier. It's more beautiful, if you will. I write in cursive, so we'll, we'll just put it that way. Like I can definitely tell the difference. It almost looks like a different person was writing, if that makes any sense at all to anyone here. Journaling in that sense, just the free-form journaling and questioning my own thoughts is almost like self-psychotherapy to me, self-talk therapy. It's extremely fascinating, and the more I do it, the better I get at it. And it's a great addition to my practice of management. It's a great addition to my use of DBT skills. It's a great addition to my workbooks. It's a great addition to my group therapy. It is an amazing addition to my individual therapy because something else that I tend to do is I will take sticky notes (laughs) and I bookmark entries and I make little notes in the margins, little notes on those sticky notes of things that I want to come back to and talk to my therapist about. Especially if I notice that it's a pattern. It's a very interesting way for me to keep track of where I'm at with thought patterns, where I'm at with issues that I'm repeatedly struggling with. Another type of freeform writing that I enjoy doing, um, and this is just in my basic journal, like my black lined journal that I buy off of Amazon in a two pack, is journal prompts. And these are generally like, specific prompts when it comes to self-healing. I also have prompted journals that I'll talk about in a minute, but these are prompts to kind of help me work through issues that I have, similar to things that I would discuss with my therapist and talk therapy. And something that I'm currently working on is journal prompts for healing my inner child. I've mentioned before, I grew up in an environment that made me feel extremely invalidated. It was hectic. I had emotionally unavailable parents. Sorry if you're listening, mom. I love you. Um, And my dad was an alcoholic. My dad could be verbally abusive. A lot of the issues that I have when it comes to body dysmorphia comes from that. But talking to my therapist, we had decided that we had reached a breakthrough when it came to dealing with my divorce and everything. But that the next stage of my healing journey is inner child work learning to reparent myself, which is a very strange concept for me. But what I'm currently doing is I'm working through a bunch of inner child work prompts. I'm going to leave them in the show notes in case you're interested in it as well. But it's kind of learning to go back and find the joy that you may have missed out on as a child and think about how you felt at specific times. Um, Things that you may have been invalidated about. And it's interesting for me. It's something that I actually enjoy going back and doing, um, thinking on that 
allowing myself to time travel a little bit into the past. Um, another type of prompt that I've been doing is prompts when it comes to working with emotions. Again, I'm going to leave those down in the show notes if you're interested in looking at that. Something that I'm actually going to be implementing from listening to that Joe Rogan and Jewel podcast is looking at looking at focusing on how I'm feeling day to day, being more mindful of recording things that actually make me anxious, interactions, people, situations. And I'm going to do that at the back of my journal, uh, similar to where I keep my moral compass work. And I'm going to do that for two weeks because I am very curious at looking at what kind of patterns might be going on in my life. Um, I've recently been considering or not even considering I've made a conscious decision to go back to school to make a career change. I've recently found purpose and I want to be able to authentically represent myself in a manner that I feel that I can best help people. And that might be a little ominous. I'll talk about it later. Um, but that exercise about anxiety, I want to do a second part to that and journal about what makes me feel calm, what brings me into a state of zen, if you will, of contentment, of joy, of being present in a very good way. The interesting and sometimes challenging thing when it comes to my freeform journaling is the number of pages that I can end up taking up. I can go in thinking that I'm going to be writing for one page and then next thing I know I'm 10 pages deep, double-sided. Um, I, I can journal for like an hour. Like I said, it, it's a type of therapy for me and it truly helps me get to a state of regulation. Um, I carry my journals with me uh, to and from work, to and from social situations. I have a very massive purse and it is to carry around books. Um, it might look ridiculous to some people, but it's part of my management. I don't feel like I need to explain it to people. It, it can just create a good laugh. Maybe that's another one of those things that makes me unique and quirky. Um, so I, I have that journal, my, my black line journal that comes everywhere with me for my freeform journaling. But I also have hardbound prompted journals that are meant to just be quick reflections or quick reminders throughout my day. They don't take a long time for me to do just to kind of sit there and think. So one of the first ones that I bought last year after my diagnosis, after everything with the divorce and having my favorite person, my favorite host leave me and feeling like I didn't know how to move forward in my life, that I didn't think I could be happy again. Um, was the journal called 52 Lists for Happiness. <laughs> and sometimes it sucked to do that journal. I'm not going to lie because I felt like, how the hell am I supposed to be happy when I've essentially lost everything? Hyperbolic thinking, black and white thinking. But the beautiful thing about this journal is that it did help pull me out of those feelings. It helped me connect with one thing at a time to find happiness and joy in the smallest of situations, the smallest 
moments of reflection. And even on my worst days, every week, so there's 52 lists, that's one list a week, folks. Um, That's how you need to do it. Don't do it every day. Do one list a week Um, at the beginning of the week and then reflect at the end is how I enjoyed doing it. Um, The more I worked through this journal, and I'm still finishing it up, the more I noticed the positive impact it had been having. And not just this journal, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt and say that it also had to do with the shift in my mindset, radical acceptance, therapy, regular journaling, working through workbooks, all of these things. But it's truly beautiful for me to be able to go back and reflect and see things that made me happy if I'm having a hard day, if maybe I'm feeling more down than usual. It's a beautiful reminder that even when you're struggling, there are so many things in your life that you can be happy about, that you can find joy in. It's a way to bring you back to the present or to have some positive time traveling into your past and remind yourself that there is hope, even if you might feel like there's not. And the other interesting thing about this journal is sometimes the prompts ask you to talk to other people. Similar to that homework challenge that I posed in the last episode. And maybe subconsciously, that's actually where I got that idea. (laughs) Sitting here, that kind of makes me laugh, actually. Especially that this journaling episode follows that little challenge episode. The next prompted journal that I do every single day. uh, The last one, like I said, is a weekly journal. This one's called the five-minute journal. And I will say it can take anywhere between five and ten minutes, depending on how you're feeling that day. Maybe three minutes if you're having a particularly good day. And what this journal is, is again, just a prompted journal. There's sections that, at the beginning, there might be a weekly challenge or daily quotes, which I think is really interesting. So, for example, um, today when I journaled, it's November 29th, 2021, I was given a weekly challenge that says, say I love you to yourself in the mirror. And I think that's beautiful. Why do I think that's beautiful? Because especially me, those of us with BPD, we can have a lot of self-loathing. We can think of all these reasons why other people can't love us, that we have a hard time loving ourselves. So how could somebody else accept us? And I truly believe, in addition to the power of writing, that spoken word is extremely impactful. So saying I love you to myself in the mirror is awkward. It has been awkward today. I've done it three times. Once in the morning, once at work, which I'm sure if anyone else was in the bathroom, they were probably questioning what was going on. And then just recently, after I'd done my skincare and after I brushed my teeth. And it's uncomfortable. It's probably similar to how I feel if people pay me a compliment about my appearance that kind of thing. But it, it, it's an affirmation in a way. And the more I believe that I tell myself that I love myself, that I'm important to myself, and that I'm deserving of love, the more I think I'm going to believe it. We'll see how that goes. But in this five-minute journal, um, in the morning you go through thing, three things that I am grateful for. That's the prompt. And then three things that would make today great and daily affirmations. 
and that's what you do in the morning. So I'm going to share mine. Today I wrote that I'm grateful for skills with helping with emotions and emotional regulation, a solid and supportive friend group, and a fresh start in my department to show my changed mindset. What would make today great? I wrote getting to work on time, um, doing some yoga, and telling someone how much I appreciate them. And then my daily affirmation for the day is, I am better today than the person I was yesterday. And then the next part of this five-minute journal you do in the evening. Um, I haven't done this part yet, but you reflect on three amazing things that happened today and how could I have made today better. And again, this is one of those journals that I really find fascinating to go back through kind of at the end of the month and see where my mindset was. It changes day to day. and. Again, it's interesting because the more I work through it, the more I practice it, the more I work on mindfulness and meditation, the more I can see that change in my mindset, how I'm becoming a more positive person, a more regulated person. And I love having a physical reminder, a written reminder of the positive path I'm on in my life, how well I'm managing my life, my symptoms my diagnosis and my BPD. It's, like I said, a reminder that the path I'm on is working for me. And looking at that, it gives me not hope. It gives me the feeling that I'm on the right path in sharing my journey on this podcast with you guys. Because hopefully if something's working for me, It'll work for at least one other person out here. And finally, the last prompted journal that I'm currently working through is called the Five Minute Stoicism Journal. Apparently, I like my five minute journals, folks. That actually kind of makes me laugh looking back on it. And again, this is a prompted journal that's based on the principles of stoicism. Um, For those of you that don't know, um, the four pillars of stoicism are wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. And I find that to be a very helpful philosophical practice for those of us with hyperbolic temperaments, specifically when it comes to moderation. The other reason that I'm particularly drawn to the Stoic philosophy at this point in my life does have to do with those pillars of wisdom and courage. Um... I've said before that courage doesn't have to be like grandiose, heroic courage. Courage looks different from person to person. For me, courage is about vulnerability, working through those parts of myself that I don't find particularly appealing. Those parts of myself, of my personality that I find ugly, that I might be ashamed of. That's what courage means to me. And then same with wisdom. Wisdom doesn't have to be your great at jeopardy. Wisdom can be about emotional intelligence. Wisdom can be about a great understanding of yourself and of others. And doing this five-minute stoicism journal kind of helps me connect with those aspects. And it's broken down into four categories in line with the four pillars that are mentioned, like that I just mentioned. Um, the other thing that I do with this journal is I'm actually reading it with, uh, Marcus Aurelius's meditations 
for those of you that don't know, Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor, um, Augustus, if you will, and he is considered one of the great Stoic philosophers. And Meditations was written uh, while he was in, I believe it was Gaul, um, fighting wars over like a 15-year period. And I actually read probably one page of Meditations a day. Um, I like to think that I'm reading it in the way that he would have written it. Um, I could be wrong. It's one of those quirky things that I have going on. But I do, I do enjoy it a lot. So the prompts in the 5-Minute Stoic Journal are, like I said, they're all broken down into different sections. So right now where I'm at is through discipline of action. And my prompts for the day were, are there areas in your life in which you don't meet your own expectations? Write about these challenges. What do you think is holding you back? Um, my answer this morning was my ability to be vulnerable and emotionally available. I'm so scared of being shut down, of my feelings and needs not being received well or being rejected entirely. My next prompt was, who would you be if you always made the best decision possible? <laughs> Write about this version of yourself. What actions would be different enough for your friends and family to notice? And what I wrote was that I'd be honest, reliable, trustworthy, helpful, dependable, <laughs> and um, always following through with plans, ideas, or actions that I said I would do or would like to do were the things that I think would be most noticeable for people in my life. Um, again, the 5-Minute Stoicism Journal can be a little harder because it is more self-reflective than the five-minute journal. But the reason that I do both is because it's a nice juxtaposition for me. It's, again, examining harder parts, things that I might consider faults about, faults, faults, pardon me, in my character or in my personality, things that I struggle with. And then the five-minute journal is more uplifting. It's, it's happier. Um, same with 52 Lifts for Happiness. Like, every single journal that I do has a different purpose in my life, in my life where I am at this specific moment. And I think that that is good for me, for walking this journey, um, to get me to where I ultimately want to be in my life, to meet those goals, <laughs> to become a more complete person, if you will. Not that I don't consider myself complete now. I'm complete in this stage, but I have this vision, this idea of the complete person that I want to be in a year, in five years, in 10 years. Like I said, journaling, um, and specifically pen to paper journaling. I know that I've mentioned before that you can do verbal journaling or that you can type it out, but I truly believe that there is something extremely special in the act of writing pen to paper. It's a different release if you will. And for me, that is truly what journaling is. <laughs> it can either be a reflection of good things or bad things, of hopefully manifesting uh, things that I want to happen in my day or in my week, in my month, in the year, in my life. It can be a way of setting positive intentions for my day moving forward. That's what the five-minute journal and the 52 list for happiness does for me. But it is also deeply reflective, specifically when it comes to that five-minute stoicism journal and especially that free-form writing that I do. It 
like I said, it challenges my own thoughts for me. It's a form of self-psychotherapy at this point in my life. It is a form of um, changing my mind. Sorry, the phrase that I'm looking for is turning my mind. If we're going to look back at last week's DBT skills, it's a form of radical acceptance. I can sit there and be willful, think one thing about myself or about people or a situation in my life in that emotion mind. I can go in hating someone. I can go in writing about a situation that I may have had with my ex-husband where I think he's a terrible person, where I think that I'm angry at where he's at now in his own self-discovery journey. And I can be angry at him that he couldn't do this when we were together. He couldn't do this three years ago. He couldn't do this two years ago. He couldn't do this a year ago. And that he's only capable of doing it now. But then as I continue journaling and continue working through my thoughts, yes, I'm allowed to be angry about that. But I work through that that anger doesn't serve me. And that in order to be the person that I want to be, I should and I am ultimately proud of him for finally doing the work. For finally realizing that in order to live his best life, to have a life worth living for himself, he needs to work through his shit. (laughs) And does it suck that he couldn't do it when we were together? Yes. But as I'm journaling, I also realize that I'm actually happier in this very moment than I've been in the last five years, six years, even 10 years, basically the entire time that we were together. I've worked through thoughts about attachment. I've worked through issues that I have with my parents. I've worked through realizing that the feelings that I have for my parents and failing me I also need to accept that they had their own struggles, their own traumas, their own issues that prevented them from being the type of parent that I need them to be, that I would have hoped that they would be. And coming to terms with this diagnosis that I have, with having borderline personality disorder, with accepting that, yeah, there's a biological aspect, but a lot of it has to do with nurture or lack of nurturing with feeling invalidated with dealing with other traumas that i'm not quite ready to talk about on this podcast journaling through it helped release a lot of that pain and i know that quite a few people listening to this podcast might not have access to the resources that i do have access to i've I've talked about that and Journaling is a great way, like I said, to release pain, to release guilt, to work through your thoughts, especially if you are willing to be reflective. If you are willing to kind of explore the root of those thoughts that you might be having, why you're having this immediate reaction while you're writing. And I truly believe that it can take you from emotion mind to being in wise mind. And if you do the annotating that I do, like with the sticky notes, like in the margins, if you're able to go back and kind of tag that bookmark it, and if you're experiencing something similar, same thought pattern, you can go back and read it and you can see that you were able to turn your mind before. So you'll be able to do it again. (laughs) That thoughts you might be having, struggles you might be having pass. And that 
again, this pain, this guilt that you might be carrying, this anxiety, it will pass as well. It's a great reminder of the progress that you've made. It's a great reminder of who you are now, who you've been in the past, and this journey that you're on. And at the same time, if you write down intentions and affirmations, things that you want to manifest and you keep referring back to it, it's a way to keep yourself in check, to remind yourself where you want to go. Like I said, at the back of my journals, I keep my moral compass work (laughs) so that I can kind of check myself when I'm not walking the path that I necessarily want to be on. And it was hard at first. No one likes to admit where their shortcomings are, where they're failing, or where they're intentionally ignoring work that they know that they should be doing. And that's the beauty of journaling. It's a written record to hold you accountable. I use it as a written record to hold me accountable. To release thoughts, anxiety, tension from my body. That if I didn't journal, I would just keep pent up until I exploded. And I don't want to do that. Whether that be yelling in anger in an explosion, or whether it be a tantrum on the floor crying, potentially scaring or confusing people that might be around me. It's a way for me to control my emotional release in an extremely healthy way. And it works. It works for me. I truly believe that if you're listening and you're in the bare minimum, pick up some kind of notebook and start journaling every single day. Start with five minutes of just free form writing or using prompts that you might find on the internet. Like I said, I'm going to leave some prompts down in the show notes. Stick with it. Start with it for a week, then go to a month. Reflect on how you're feeling in that period of time and then try for three months every single day. Don't feel guilty if you can't make it every day. Do the best that you can at any given time. But actively track, kind of like with a little smiley face or like a little mood tracker at the top of the page, how you're feeling day to day. And I truly believe that the more you journal, the more consistent your moods will be. The more consistent you're feeling kind of either neutral or happy. And that's my next challenge to you. Try journaling. Try working through your own thoughts. In many ways, it's a form of reparenting yourself. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a very emotionally responsible thing to do. And with that final thought, I'm going to leave links to all the journals that I use. I'm going to leave a link to Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, if that is something that you're interested in doing. I'm going to leave a link to the Joe Rogan podcast that he did with Jewel. It's three hours. So if you're like me and you have ADHD and you can't sit down and deal, listen to all that content in one time, do not feel guilty about having to consume it in like half hour intervals. I do it while I'm brushing my teeth, getting ready in the morning to go to work, doing the dishes, doing housework. That's what works for me. But it is a very valuable listen. And I do recommend it. And with that, I'm going to say, have a good day. I hope that if you've had a rough day or a rough week while you've been listening to this, that you are able to 
maybe do a little meditation, do some mindfulness work to release some of that tension that you might be feeling, some of that guilt, some of that anxiety. I want you to know that you aren't alone. I want you to know and to hopefully start believing that even though you might be struggling, that maybe you're having a hard time with your sleep hygiene, your general hygiene, your personal hygiene, that maybe you've had an outburst or you've had a tantrum and you're kind of beating yourself up. I want you to know that we all go through it. I want you to know that I go through it. And I want you to know and to start believing that you're actually probably doing better than you think you are. We're our own worst critics. And until the DBT mini-sode this week, know that I'm proud of you if you haven't heard that recently. And try to remember to give yourself a little grace. Have a good day, folks.